Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John uh, baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw uh, the heavens splitting apart and the Holy uh, Spirit to spin, excuse me, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I'm not giving in that early, man. Someone just texted me. I know that there is, uh, there's wagers going on right now, okay? I'm not doing it. All right. You know what? I just messed up the word of the Lord. Let's start over again, okay? One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As, John, as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, Jesus announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Man. Do you think that the people gathered around Jesus and John that day, do you think they made any connections to the opening scripture that I read to you about the flood from Genesis 9? Do you think the people gathered there that day, um, they probably, some of them had a strong Jewish understanding. So the chances of them knowing Genesis chapter 9, the story of the flood, is as good as you knowing Genesis chapter 9, the story of the flood, right? How many of you... Uh, how many of you would say that Genesis 9, Noah and the ark, is a familiar story to you? How many have ever heard that story before? Raise your hand if you've ever heard it. Okay. Chances are high, right? Chances are high that the people gathered around that day knew something about Noah and the ark. What do you think they thought about when Jesus went into the water This passage of Scripture is not unfamiliar to us. I preached on it just about five weeks ago. Those that were there and those that have better memories than myself, do you remember? Do you remember talking about how water is a symbol of chaos? And do you remember how we discussed there that when Jesus went into the water, that there may have been people really nervous (laughs) that Jesus was descending into floodwaters? Floodwaters that covered the whole earth. Floodwaters that would take his life. Chaotic waters that would catch his breath and hold it and he'd never breathe again. That he would be held underneath these waters. Has anyone, don't tell on yourself. If you do, you'll have to confess later. But has anyone seen the Netflix show Ozark? Okay. Okay. I won't tell you that I've seen it or not. But I will say one of the very last scenes of the series. I'm not saying I've seen it, okay? I'm just saying one of the last, the very last scene is a scene of someone underneath water, right? 
And for those that seen it, how tense were you? Person held underwater, and I wonder, here it is, I lose, okay? I wonder for the people that were there that day, if they were nervous for Jesus to be in water. And then after Jesus rises up out of the water, what comes next? The skies tear open and their spirit descends in the form of a dove. Now, raise your hand again if you've heard the Genesis 9 story. How many people have heard Noah's Ark? Okay, is there a dove in that story? What does the dove do? Oh. Wondering those that were gathered around the chaotic waters of Jesus' baptism, if they began to make connections of God's rainbow promises. I wonder if they began to see in Jesus this beautiful multi-color covenant. Coming to them like a dove that brings new creation. A dove that carries the promise that there is renewal in this journey. As the dove descends upon the one that rises out of the chaotic waters. And there's a voice. Right, Dennis? There's a voice. Do you remember what does the voice say? Oh, come on. Someone tell me. Someone preach. What does the voice say? Mike. Baby, yes. Yes. Now I've got to find my notes because I've lost where I'm going. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes it's required of us to go back so that we can then repair, renew, redeem what was once chaotic. Sometimes it's required of us to go into the chaos so that we can rise out of its darkness with renewal fresh upon our bodies like a dove carrying a branch of new creation back to the ark, like a dove that descends from the heavens onto the earth, carrying all of God's will and purpose and good news, we rise up out of the chaos, saying there is renewal and there is newness and there is hope on the horizon. Sometimes it's required for us to go back and invite Jesus to baptize the moment to redeem the history, to renew the brokenness, to restore the sin. I wonder for those that were gathered that day, if they had to travel back in time and come to grips with a God they could not understand, a God that had ruined the whole earth with water. You call that a loving God? How can you show up on Sunday morning and worship a God like that? There were kids in those waters. I wonder if the people that were gathered that morning came with a whole bundle of history 
of confusion, of questions. And if they were invited to be honest, and we don't really know much about that moment, but maybe, maybe Jesus invited them to be honest. If they were honest, I think those gathered that day may say, No, don't do it! Those waters will kill you! Anxiousness. History. People that were real people. People that had real problems. People whose families haven't been good. People whose choices haven't been right. People who's been hurt by people who haven't been right. People who have been destroyed by people being dumb. (laughs) People who have experienced trauma. People who have caused trauma. People who have been abused and people that abused. If there was anyone that knew anything about chaos, it was the people gathered that day. I want to use the word bravery, but I think, Megan, there's got to be a better theological term here, and I may come up with it as I speak. Okay? How brave is Jesus to walk right in to the very thing that killed these people's ancestors? Come on now. Just want to invite you in to begin to tell the truth. How brave, there's got to be a better word for it. How redemptive is it that Jesus steps into the very thing that destroyed the whole earth? He goes back in time. He gets knee deep in the waters. He allows the history of chaos to creep up past his waist as he let it trickle up into his neck and down below the water she goes, fully descended underneath the chaos, letting all of death come upon him. So he foreshadows his resurrection by being raised up out of the waters With the dove of new life to descend upon him, he comes bearing within his body the covenant strength to take us back through time to redeem and to restore. Man, if you didn't know, Charles, that's really good preaching, okay? (laughs) That sounds conceited, doesn't it? I don't know. A lot of times I'm hearing these words for the first time myself. It's the Spirit of God, and I'm only responding to what I feel like is the Lord present this morning. I'm not giving myself a pat on the back. Well, I think about one other character in the Bible immediately that comes to mind. I might be the only one. Justin, you might be thinking about this too. Is anyone else thinking about a character in the Bible? I'd just be curious. You, I'm not going to call anyone. I'm just curious, unless you want to be called on. Is, any, is anyone thinking about another character in the Bible? I think about Peter. Think about Peter. Remember Peter's story? What does Peter do? And we're going to remember it here in like five weeks on a Friday, okay? We're all going to gather here, and we're all going to talk about how Peter does what? He, he denies Christ three times. Okay, so here's, here's this Dove-loving Jesus, okay, who shows up after 
the death and the resurrection has taken place. He shows up and he confronts Peter, who in real time, in real history, had committed sin. And what does Jesus do? He forgets about it, doesn't talk about it at all, right? He doesn't name it, he doesn't address it, he just says, it's done. <laughs> that, that was Thursday, this is uh, um, the eighth day, this is Sunday, or Monday, the eighth day. And uh, we, we're done, that was, that was history. Does he do that? No, he doesn't. Again, this brave, brave son of God. Almost as if his time is not linear, you know? Almost as if his time, the time that God tells in heaven, isn't from like, uh, for my life, it would be 1982 to 2018. But it's like Jesus doesn't operate on that type of time. His time is different. It's like Jesus operates on cyclical time. And whenever it's necessary to go back, he goes back. And so what does he do with Peter? Three times. Am I remembering the story correct? Peter denies Jesus three times. Is that right? What does Jesus, what are the first words out of Jesus' mouth to Peter in John chapter 21? What are they? Peter, do you love me? How many times does Jesus say it? It can't be coincidence, right? It can't be coincidence. Three times Peter denies Jesus on a Thursday. And on a Monday, Jesus is brave enough to say, No, Peter, your story of resurrection cannot start until we go back. Let's go back to the sin, Peter. I'm not afraid of it. Come on, I've been to hell and back. I'm not afraid of your trauma. I'm not afraid of your neglect. I'm not afraid of your carelessness. Peter, let's go back. Let's start on Thursday. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I wonder if the people gathered around the baptismal font that morning we may have to reset the chairs again. This is going to get really annoying if I'm just like circling around like a tornado. <laughs> I wonder if the people gathered could foreshadow. If they could tell history and they could foreshadow that the Son of God is ready to retell your story. He wants to retell your story, Jeff. He wants to retell your story, guys. And your story isn't one of betrayal and neglect. No, 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 no. Don't you know who you are? There's a voice, Bonnie. What does that voice say? There's a voice in this story. What does it say? Oh, it says, You are my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. Michelle, don't you know who you are? God wants to retell your story in a way that isn't afraid of your past. In a way that doesn't ignore your past. That doesn't put it in a closet and say, we don't go back. We only tell time linearly. We're done with that. We're through with that. We move on. We close it and we don't talk about it. No. Jesus wants to talk about it. Why? 
because that isn't who you are and he's going to remake you. He's going to renew you and restore you. There is more than one of us this morning that comes to church with that testimony. We are not the same, right? I come this morning with that testimony. I also come with things that I need to invite Jesus to walk back through the chaos of time and to heal it. But I also come with testimony that I am not the same kid, praise God, because I would, could not be your pastor if I was. That I'm not the same kid that walked into seminary on day one in August of 2016. I'm not the same, or t- 2006, sorry. I just hate to admit that it was 12 years ago. <laughs> I can't be right. I can't be right. That I'm not the same. But part of that process of healing came in November of 2006, in which I stood before my family and had to talk about the past. Part of the healing, I am not the same person. Megan told me this week, she said, Pastor, we've noticed you've changed. She said, people, I don't know who she was referring to. She said, people are telling me that they're seeing a difference in you. And I'm telling you, I've seen a difference in you. By the grace of God, I am being renewed and made new right before your eyes. How did this happen? Well, it happened because I had to go to a therapist and start with daddy issues. And I didn't want to talk about it. And when she said, let's talk about your dad, I about cussed at her. I'm not here to talk about daddy issues. I'm here talking about why the heck I walked out of my congregation on Sunday morning. I'm not here to talk about dad in 1997. Who wants to talk about dad in 1997? Some of you weren't even born in 1997. More deep high. But in order, and I'm not all the way there, you're watching the process. (laughs) You're watching the process. But I'm not the same person I was two months ago. I'm not the same person I was 12 years ago. Because God is brave enough to take a sanctified person and to walk that person back through time, remaking it, renewing it, so that when I hug my father, I hope he doesn't listen to this, when I hug my father, I don't hug him with the same trash that I was thinking of prior to going to therapy. That when I walk into that door on Christmas in late uh, December 2017 and I go home for a whole week and don't have a single panic attack, that's because God was brave enough to walk me back through time so that I could heal the stuff I experienced in 1997. I had to name it. Man, I know it's so counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense in our culture at all because we want to just be done with it, right? Man, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to plug therapy this morning. But you know, therapists are a grace of God. They're not a sign of weakness, just like medicine. It's a grace of God. It's not a sign of weakness. <laughs> I am here. I am free. But what I can offer is pastoral counseling, <laughs> It's pastoral counseling is helping you name God all the way through your life. Pastor Megan is able to do that. She's trained to do that. Pastor Dennis and Pastor Justin, they're trained to do that. And so am I. 
and I'm available to you, and I'm free. <laughs> I would love to talk to you. If you want to help try to name God if you're not a believer, and you want to try to see how God interacts with non-believers, I would love to tell you how God has been present in your life, even though you do not believe in God. I would love to do that. If you do believe in God, but are having a hard time recognizing how God embraces the chaos in your life, I can do that. I'm trained to do that. I would love to sit with you. You're not, some people will say, Pastor, you're so busy. Okay, if you don't tell the board, I'll tell you, I'm not nearly as busy as you think I am, okay? And I'm called to pastor you. And so whenever you call, you're priority number one, okay? You're priority number two. My family comes first, but you're priority number two, all right? God has called me to you. I always have time. I don't care what time of day it is. I always have time. God called me not to sit in an office behind a desk. God called me to walk with you. But I'm not a therapist. And so there may be, and in this season as we talk about time, this may really begin to peel back the onion, the layers of the onion for you. And we don't suspect that everyone will engage with this season in, a, in, a, in a, like a, a real personal way. But John, some of you may. And if you do, I've, I've got counselors I can refer you to. It is a good thing, and it is a grace of God, okay? Sometimes it is necessary for the retelling of our story, Stephen, to go back in time, to allow those waters to creep up to our knees and pass our waist into our neck, what feels like death, just to be embraced by the grace of Christ, to die with him and to also be raised with him, coming out of those waters, embracing new life, walking into the promise of complete restoration and renewal. Friends, you are not what your sins want to tell you you are. You, I'm looking at a whole room full of people, and I know there's a few in here that's like, I don't believe in God. I don't really care. It's not what you say about God. It's what God says about you. You can't control God. It's okay. You don't ever have to believe. You don't ever have to believe. It does not stop God calling you child. Every single one of you are children of God. You are not what happened yesterday. You're not what happened yesteryear. God has taken what was once used to destroy. Now he uses it to cleanse. And there's a rainbow in the sky to tell us that God's covenant is for all people. It's for every single one of us. And every time there's a rainbow in the sky, God remembers I use water now to cleanse you. I use water to redeem you. I use water to renew you. I plunge you beneath it so that you die a death of your old life and you're raised in your new life to the power and resurrection of my son, Jesus Christ. I use water now. Oh, man. <laughs> See, that's hopeful. Man, that's hopeful. And so, 
in the baptismal waters, what we see is that Jesus becomes the covenant. And through Jesus, what did John? John read a scripture out of 1 Peter. Maybe you were tracking, maybe you weren't. Just listen, a side note. We don't make these scriptures up, okay? We put them intentionally in place because we're telling a story all the way through the worship service. Going to church isn't about me. It's not about hearing my word. It's about hearing God's word. And so we've put all of these scriptures and we've placed them intentionally and deliberately because we're telling a whole story, all right? So we didn't go like meeny, miny, mo. Hey, First Peter, that looks great. No. What did we hear in First Peter? That Jesus used the waters from old, right? To cleanse us, to renew us. We died in his death and we have risen in his resurrection. So he is seated on the right hand of God. And God's covenant that I will never leave you, that I will never forsake you, that I will never destroy you, is now held in Jesus, and Jesus holds us to that promise. That is a covenant relationship. That in Jesus, God swears not to remember you as you were. Praise be to God. That in Jesus, God promises that I will be your God and you will be my people always and forever in Jesus. God makes a promise to you. He will never be separated from his love. No matter how far the east is from the west, you will never be separated from him. And Jesus... Kevin, we are invited to live a life that looks like covenant relationships. Because, Stefan, I'm not who I used to be. I am a son of God. The Father is my Father. And I, I am a son of that promise. I carry that promise in me. I am not who I used to be. Some days I act like it and God comes to me again reminding me, come on, Jake. Come on, you really going to use that word? Come on, we don't talk like that. That's not who I made you to be. See, I think the fear is that we have a God that waits for us to screw up and that God comes and like punches us again, makes us go die on the cross again in, like a, in, in a way that causes harm and hurt to us, that God is so angry with us for not living the right way. No, I, I think God is far more gracious than that. I think God looks a lot more like Jesus than God looks like the God of the Old Testament. Okay? I think God looks a lot more like Jesus. And when we don't act like sons of God and daughters of God and children of God, that Jesus comes to us again willing to walk with us through the baptismal waters, back through time, back through that period where we didn't act like a child of God, and to restore and to renew and to redeem us so that you can live like that. Here's the good news. The good news is, Bonnie, we are called to have covenant relationships with one another. I had this really good teaching, and I didn't get to it at all. (laughs) 
I just freelanced for the, for, for the whole 30 minutes. I wasn't supposed to do that. But I can say this last part quickly, and then I want to give some instructions on what we're going to do next. See, I think covenant relationships are marked by four things. I was really proud of myself when I came up with this, because I don't usually teach like this, but four R's, okay? All right. Ooh, I feel like a real pastor, okay? Covenant relationships reminds us of four R's. Covenant relationships remembers, like God remembers the rainbow, like the psalmist remembers the covenant of old, like First Peter remembers that the work of Jesus holds us to the Father, and like the gospel of Mark remembers that we are children. Covenant relationships remember, and they restore. We are not the, some culmination of who we used to be. No, we are restored to be garden people. To be people that God intended us to be and we are redeemed. Covenant relationships remember and covenant relationships help restore. And they also redeem. That's meaning they walk through time. <laughs> like Peter. They walk through history and time. Redeeming the moments in which we forgot to live like children of God. Or when your spouse forgot to live like a child of God. Or when your child is currently not living like a child of God. And covenant relationships retell the story. Four R's, huh? That was good, right? Remember, restore, redeem, and retell. This is what covenant relationships do. And friends, because Christ holds you in his covenant relationship with the Father, you are part of that remembering. You are part of that restoring. You are part of that redemption. And you are part of that retelling. And so this morning we want to help you remember. We want to help you be restored. We want to help you be redeemed. And we want to help you retell your story. So we're going to do it in a fourfold pattern. Okay? The first is a timeline on this whiteboard. You don't have to tell us a single thing if you don't want us to. But if you would like to engage in public confession this morning, I'm not going to have you say anything to anyone. That would, that, that would embarrass us. And that would require us to do things that I think would set us back, not move us forward into freedom. And so I want you to be honest with yourself and to the Father. And maybe you need to come up here and mark a time in history, whether it's personal or it's related to your family or it's related to work, or maybe it's related to this church. It can be whatever you need it to be, okay? And I would like you to come and mark it. Because I mentioned it, I will mark 1997. And if it's helpful for you and you want to name it, right? That's okay, you can do that. Okay? If it's helpful for you to do that, you can do it, but you don't have to. You don't even have to participate at all if you don't want to. But for some of us, it may be helpful just to do this in community, right? To just so people see us, man, 1975 hurt me. And we don't need to know what it is God knows, and you're being honest. 
And that's all that matters is you're being honest before the Lord and in community. I think that's beautiful. If you would like to do more, Maybe for some of you it's therapeutic to write your story out that today's the day and for whatever reason you're ready to write it out. Well, we have paper over here. We don't expect you to do it. We just wanted to make it available if someone wanted to take this exercise a step further. No one needs to see that. You can throw it in the trash. You can rip it up. You do whatever you want with it. That, you know, again, this is not what I mean by public <laughs> is that everyone gets to hear your dirt. I don't think that's helpful. Okay. From confessing, Our brokenness, our hurt, our abuse, our sin, sins have been done to us, whatever it is that God leads you to confess. From confession, I want you to travel with me, right? For those on this side, I want you to travel that way. For those that are on this side, I want you to travel this way. And from confessing our sins, you'll be met with the Eucharist, the grace of our Christ, right? The grace of our Lord, broken and poured out for you, right? You don't live in that, You live in this. This is who you are. You are made in the image of God and you've been restored by his blood and washed in his blood and restored by his body. I then want you to travel further. Don't stop there. I want you to come here where Pastor Megan will greet you or where I will greet you. And I want you to remember your baptism. We're going to sprinkle you with water and we want you to know that that is not your story, that you belong to a rainbow covenant, right? And you are children of God. So I want to invite you to confess if it's necessary, to move to the grace of our Lord, broken and poured out for you, and then mark yourself as a child of God. Hear your name called a child of God. And then, if you have a gift to give, if Offering is a pattern of worship for you. If it's not, I would love to talk to you about why it should be. But if it is, we're not going to pass the plates this morning. It's just right here. You can drop your gift off here, okay? Or you can put it in that box there, or you can wait till everybody leaves and you can do it So, if you want to give in private, okay? Um, and then the fourfold pattern, confess, grace, identity, give. And then give him gratitude and thanks. And then come back into your seat, okay? And today we're not going to do the stories of the people, so we're closer to being done than you realize, all right? This process will go a little slower than usual because we don't want a bottleneck at the whiteboard. And so Pastor Justin will come in a minute and he will lead us through the words of institution. And then he will slowly dismiss us so that we all have ample amount of time to to participate so we don't bottleneck, okay? I invite you, friends, to focus on the Lord Christ who walks through your history with you. You do not go to that whiteboard alone. (laughs) That for those of us that are ready and willing to start telling this truth about us, you do not go alone. The risen Lord is raising you. Mm, Praise be to God. Justin?